question this morning. What do, what do you stand for? <laughs> what, do, what do you stand for? In your life, does it communicate that you stand for Christ? Or does it communicate that you stand for something that is not Christ? Because there's no gray area. There's no gray area. You're either for Him or against Him. Heavenly Fathers, we jump in this morning, Lord. We want to be so for you that that's all people see. That's all that comes from us is the fact that they can look at us, look at our lives and, and say, man, that person, there's something different about that person. That person is in love with Jesus. And it just comes out. That's it. It just comes out. That doesn't mean that we walk around with our shirts buttoned up to the top and we can't have any fun in any of that. It doesn't mean that means that we are sold out to the one who hung on the cross for us and paid for our sins. That's what we stand for this morning. When we stand and we worship, it's because we know we can't do anything without you. We can't even stand in these pews without you right now, Father. All face one direction, standing on some horribly red carpet. We can't do that without you, Father. So this morning, Lord, I, I just I pray for revelation. And I pray for the Word and for the Spirit to penetrate our hearts. Uh, to cut deep. That's what, that's what I pray for this morning. That it's not just another Sunday morning experience. That, Lord, it cuts deep today. But it's not a painful cutting. Father, it's just you getting in there. It's just you diving deep down into who we are and saying, you know what, I'm going to uncover a little bit more of you. Because I love you and I want to work on you. Father, we give you this morning. We give you us. We don't want to step unless your spirit is here. We refuse to go forward without your spirit in the room. And so, Lord, collectively, Lord, we just say yes. Spirit, be here. We invite you in. We all come in agreement on that. Open up our hearts, Father. Be in this place. Father, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody say, Amen. You guys can be seated. Yes. That's probably one of my most favorite worship songs. <laughs> We've been doing that since the Ice Age. It's an old one, but I love it. <laughs> Welcome this morning, everybody. Look, you made it. You survived Thanksgiving. You're here. You're live. All right? Didn't keel over from uh, eating too much or, you know, your in-laws and all that family stuff. Hopefully they didn't come become your outlaws. It's a joke. Hopefully some of you guys got it. Okay, good. Awesome. Helping me out. Here we go. But you're here. This is a group that's here for the, this, this Sunday. Um, and what I want to be able to do this morning is communicate to you kind of where we're going here in the next couple Sundays. Today we're going to be closing up the book of Nehemiah. Finally, it's taken us almost a calendar year to do it. Um, but I'll be putting a book into that. We'll be diving into uh, some good stuff this morning. Uh, but what's going to transpire in the Sundays that follow this one I'm going to be speaking a lot about service, honestly. Not, not, not Sunday morning service, but I'm talking about serving. 
Okay, service in your community, serving wherever you are. It doesn't matter where you're at. The message is tailored towards that today. I'm going to end with speaking about that. But next Sunday, Sunday after that's family, Christmas Sunday. We have a, a Sunday right before Christmas Sunday, which it's just weird this year. Christmas falls on a, a Sunday, and then also the first of the year falls on a Sunday. So it's just a weird time, um, the end of the year for us here. But we're going to dive into Nehemiah this morning. And I'm going to do the best I can to wrap this thing up. Simply because there's so many different angles that you could close the book of Nehemiah up from. Nehemiah standpoint, the Israelite standpoint, um, uh, the, the opposition's standpoint, that being Sambalot, Tobiah, and the boys as I like to call them. Um, bunch of different angles. But what we're about to get into, here, get into here, if you see up on the screen, I got these, these four C's up there. Now, if any of you guys have been here for any length of time and have heard my dad preach, that boy preaches the whole alphabet. All right? He'll bring all the C's and the F's and the 20 M's, and it's like, man, you just love... They're not acronyms. I forget what they're called, but um, when it's all one letter. But you're going to get some Johnny Square preaching this morning from that. All right? But how I want to jump into this this morning is, has, has the book of Nehemiah not been extremely helpful? Amazing? It's been deep. And it's an Old Testament book. You would think, oh man, Old Testament, you, you get lulled to sleep on that. No, see, Nehemiah, is, there's a lot in there. There's a ton in there. If you know anything about Nehemiah, just real quick summation of, of uh, excuse me, chapter 1 to 13, Nehemiah gets purposed by the Lord to go rebuild the wall in Jerusalem. He does this, and as soon as he steps foot in Jerusalem, opposition comes and smacks him in the face. But he presses on through that, gets the wall finished. Now, the latter half of the book from chapters 7 to 13 is more about reestablishing God's law and government within the people. So Nehemiah wasn't there just to build the wall. He was there to build people as well. Now let me just say this. You are not here just to exist. You're not here just to get work done as much as you are also here to help build one another. You hear me when I say that? Like you got to catch that at the, at the front end of this thing. And the reason I say that is because, again, looking at Nehemiah, let's just start with him. We're going to talk about Nehemiah, talk about the Israelites, their per uh, perception, perspective, I guess I should say that. Nehemiah, we know nothing about Nehemiah, the man Nehemiah, up until he steps foot in Jerusalem or hears of what happened in Jerusalem, the state of affairs in Jerusalem. All we know historically about this guy is that his father was buried in Jerusalem. That's about it. But the book of Nehemiah also ends very abruptly. Something that I will get to at the end of this message. If you read in the New Testament, what does Paul do? Paul opens up with a greeting. Hey, what's up? My name is Paul, bondservant of Christ. I'm here to do Jesus' work, all right? And then he gets to a point at the end of most of his books where he just, there's a sign-off. Well, Nehemiah, there's no sign-off. It's, I reprimanded the people for not tithing and for inter intermarriage, and then period, done. So, Nehemiah jumps on the scene, and then he's gone. Now, what you got to understand about the book of Nehemiah, it's the last historical book written in the Old Testament. That means that the next major event that happened in our history is Jesus. Coming 400 years later, 
400 years after Nehemiah, Jesus jumps on the scene. Another thing that I will get to the significance of later on in this message. Are you guys trucking with me up until now? Amen. Right. So we have, we have Nehemiah here who have no idea who this guy is. And then all of a sudden he's here, he does this great work, and then he's gone. When he's doing this great work from chapters 1 to 13, think about it like this. The only reason we get to hear about Nehemiah is because of the call that was put on his life. That's, that's it. There's no other stories about Nehemiah in the Word. It's simply because of this call that we get to read about him. Now, that's pretty significant that a man is only known, widely known, by his call. Can we say that about ourselves? Are you known by your call? Are you known by what God put in you to do? I'll tell you what. At one point in my life, I wasn't there. And you may not be there right now. But guess what? Today could be a day that you figure out what that is. If that door was open in front of you, would you run through it? I, I hope the answer is yes to that one. But we only know about who Nehemiah is because of this call. But the call turned into a burden. And if you could, let's just open up Nehemiah real quick. I'm just going to read verse 4. Verses 1 through 3 is Nehemiah's brother. I think. Yes. Telling him the state of affairs of Jerusalem. And then verse 4 comes. It says, When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the Lord, before the God of heaven. I did the same thing in first service. Before the God of heaven. I said, and then there's this beautiful prayer that if you want to learn how to pray, that's a really good example. A very good example. But his call caused him to mourn, to weep, and to fast. Now, I'm not saying everybody in here has to do that in order for your call to be legitimate. That's not what I'm saying. But has anything ever affected you to that point? I'll tell you what. I knew I was going to be a pastor when I was 14 years old. At Blevins Junior High School, walking down the hall next to the cafeteria, which was right next to the, well, I should say it the other way, the men's bathroom was right next to the cafeteria. Sounds weird the other way around. Yeah. So he spoke real clear. 14 years old in this, in this junior high school, and he says, you are going to be a pastor one day. I spent the, ne the, ne the next eight years running from that running from it. And every time I talk about it, I get emotional because I know it's in me to do. He spoke that. Has that ever happened to you? Where he called you to something and it was so fervent, it was so real that it hit you in your heartstrings. I'm not saying, you, again, you had to fast and pray and cry and weep and, and wail and moan, but this burden did something. It wasn't just a time of sorrow or I don't even see the burden as something that's bad because look what he accomplished. But it moved him to action. That's when you know it's real. You can tell me or tell somebody, I'm called to do this all day long. But if it doesn't move you to action, it's empty. It's not from the Lord. 
It may be something that you're really excited about right now. <laughs> Man, I'm going to go sell this stuff. And then after a while, you figure out it's a pyramid scheme and blah, blah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Those things, they're not bad. Okay, I don't want to knock anybody who does that, right? Don't knock it till you try it. Okay. Anyway, back to preaching. Yes, this call became a burden, but the burden moved to action. Now see, Nehemiah had someone else tell him the state of affairs of Jerusalem. Meaning he didn't go seek that out. But the life circumstances, what happened, revealed this call in him. Somebody said something to him, and immediately it hit him right here. Things will happen to you in your life. And it will reveal the call that is in your life. Your, your life circumstances can do a couple of different things. They can confirm the call in your life. In a major, major way. Now, what happened to me? Life circumstances? I just wanted to take care of everybody. 15-year-old kid wanting to buy people groceries and I ain't got no money. This is just in me to do. I just want to do it. My life circumstances, things that I went through, revealed to me the fact that, hey, this call, God's confirming it through this circumstance. So I want you to be encouraged that what you're going through right now is the Lord continuing to confirm or trying to show you what your call is. Does that make sense? I look at everything through the eyes of a pastor. Everything. When I step out of that, when I step out of the anointing, the wisdom doesn't come very quick because I'm trying to manufacture it. But as a pastor, when I step into that, it doesn't mean I go in and preach all day long. I hit people in the face with the Bible. I don't do that. All right? What I am saying is that He built me to be a shepherd. So I got to speak through that. I got to speak through the call. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a prophet. I'm not an apostle. Doesn't mean I can't do those things. But that's not who I am. Does that make sense? Amen. Good. His life circumstances confirmed the call. The call was confirmed. So you're going to get more C's. They're just going to be just dumping on you this morning. So I, I want to make sure that you get that. The call was confirmed. Now, i got to make this point before we move to the, the next one. And the next one has to do with the controversy. But I want you to know that the Lord knew you before you were even born. He did. I'm sure you've heard that before, and if you haven't, well, here's the first time. <laughs> he knew you before you were even born. That means everything that He wanted to put in you is in you right now. Right now. I'm talking about all of the success that you will have is in there. The capability of it is in there. So the prayer isn't, Lord, add to my life. It's uncover what you've already put in me. Unwrap me. See? Your, your, your prayer life should change a little bit. Mine changed when I realized that. Man, it's all right there. So this call was in Nehemiah before he even knew it. And all of a sudden somebody says something. And it burns in him. The call that you have on your life is already in you. It's just a matter of when it's going to be revealed. If it already has been revealed, the Lord's going to add to it. You guys trucking with me this morning? 
But here's what happens. And here's what we saw in Nehemiah. He goes to Jerusalem, inspects the walls, gets an idea of what needs to happen, gets a team together, a.k.a. all of the Israelites, and commissions each one of them to build right in front of their home to build this wall. This wall gets built in 52 days. This wall is 1.5 miles long. That's a long way. And at any given point, uh, I think it's about, if I remember right, 16 feet thick. And in between 25 and 30, I know it's not 35, but it's not 40. We'll say 38. I think it's, it's one of those, it's not quite 40 feet, but in, in between 25 and 40 feet high at any given point. That is a massive structure. He starts to do this. Guess what? Your call is massive. It's unbelievable. I wish everyone in here would believe that. Because as soon as you step into the call and you accept that, guess what happens? There's somebody who takes note of that. And it's the most smooth-talking, well-dressed man you've ever seen. It's the most gorgeous woman, well-put-together woman you've ever seen in your life. It's the greatest deal. It's the, the thing that looks good. Maybe you know who I'm talking about right now. It's a very, very crafty individual. It's the enemy. When you step into your call and you say, yes, I'm going to do this, the enemy takes note and he says, this person is a threat to the kingdom of darkness now. So he's going to do everything he can to oppose you. What happened with Nehemiah? The moment he gets on the scene and starts building this wall, controversy comes up by way of Sambalot, Tobiah, and uh, Geshem. I should probably get back in my word and read it. <laughs> but we'll just say Sambalot and the boys, alright? <laughs> and it starts by way of, it's very small, it starts by way of mocking. Simply looking at this, this uh, uh, Tobiah looking at Nehemiah and saying, what are you doing? Like, don't you know that if a fox jumps on this wall, it's going to crumble? Have you ever been mocked in the midst of your call? Whoo, man. Hey, what's up? Every day. Every day. It started small. And it got to a point where these two guys threatened war. So they had to build the wall with a hammer in one hand and have a sword ready to fight in the other one. It's pretty significant. And then it went to diplomatical persuasion. Hey, why don't you just leave what you're doing? Come down here. Let's talk about this because we know that you're rebelling. And you know, just a lot of talk. A lot of noise. It says in John 10.10 10, that the enemy is relentless. And it says that he is here to steal, to kill, and to destroy you. He's not here just to make it tough. Oh, I'm sorry. Stubbed your toe on the way upstairs. Banged your elbow on the car when you got out the car. Oh, man. Just, you just want to say something right there. He's here to take your life. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like we we got to be real about that. Because he is crafty. Now, I don't want to rabbit trail too much here, but I love chocolate ice cream. You guys are like, wow, that's quite the rabbit trail, Pastor. <laughs> I can't stand strawberry ice cream. Can't do it. Just don't like it. Now, my dad is the exact opposite. Loves strawberry ice cream. Now, if you're trying to get me to do something for you, and you put strawberry ice cream in front of me, sorry. It's not really that tempting. I'm just not going to do it. Alright? But if you put like, okay, chocolate ice cream with the 
surprises in it. Fudge brownie just, mm, we can make a deal. No, we can make a deal. All right? Do you know that the enemy is the same way? He's not going to tempt you with something that's not tempting to you. He's going to come after you exactly how he knows you are going to fall. For me, it's my confidence. If he can get at my confidence, then he's got me. So I spend time trying to fight against that. That controversy is going to come and it's going to shoot with precision. You guys trucking with me this morning? Now you may be saying, Pastor, okay, I, I'm ready to step into the call. I'm ready to realize that and, and, and just accept it. And I know that once that happens, the enemy's going to be shouting in my face, doing everything he can to take my legs out from underneath me. How do I confront the controversy? Well, Nehemiah gives us a really good example. Really good example. I want you to turn to Nehemiah 6. Now this is all through Nehemiah. This is just one example of it. But every single time something happens to this man, he does one thing. He starts having a conversation with the Lord. Something hits him right here, you know what, i got to talk to God. That's got to be our first mode of operation with everything. And if it is, hallelujah, keep doing it. But I tell you what, when the emotions run hot and anxiety is through the roof and somebody says something that really made me mad and I want to do something about it, at that moment, you got to be talking to Jesus. Because you might be talking to a judge if you don't. You know? It'd be bad. But if we turn to Nehemiah 6 verse 5... This is more opposition by way of Sambalot, Tobiah, and Geshem. And in uh, verse 5 of chapter 6, Nehemiah, uh, I'll just pick it up right there. It says, uh, let's see. Got to find, here we go. Verse 5. Then Sambalot sent his servant to me in the same manner a fifth time with an open letter in his hand. Now, just so you understand what that means, they were trying to send letters to Nehemiah to try to get him to just stop building the wall. And they were very, how do I say this, um, alarming in nature, as in, I will sound the alarm on you to the king. Uh, I don't know if I explained that very well, but they sent, here's the fifth letter. Then Sambalot sent his servant to me in the same manner, a fifth letter, with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, It is reported among the nations, and uh, Geshmu says that you and the Jews are planning to rebel. Therefore, you are rebuilding the wall, and you are uh, to be their king, according to these reports. You have also appointed prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you. A king is in Judah. And now it will be reported to the king according to these reports. So come now, let us take, uh, let us take counsel together. Let me just stop right there before I read the last little bit. What they're saying is that we're going to draft a letter that says this is what you're doing, even though that's not the truth. And we're going to send it to the authorities. And then they're going to deal with you. How do you think that's going to go well? Or how do you think that's going to go? Not very well. There are going to be times in your life and probably have been so many up until now where somebody's going to say something about you that's not true. Or there's going to be something that comes up against you that is just not the truth. It's not the truth at all. But yet they're going to 
They're going to make it out to be something that it's bigger, that, that is bigger than it is. Now let me say this. If you don't know the call of your life and you don't understand or have a grasp of controversy, then it's going to be hard to sift through that. How to deal with controversy. Here's what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah did one thing. He responds by saying this. In verse 8, Then I sent a message to him saying, Such things you are saying have not been done, but you are inventing them in your own mind. For all of them were trying to frighten us, thinking they will become discouraged with the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. See, it's one thing to speak to the controversy. You know what we see Jesus do all through the New Testament? Even when He's responding to the Pharisees. They ask Him questions to catch Him. And He doesn't answer the question. He oftentimes answers the question with a question because He's getting at the motive behind the question. Does that make sense? So what Nehemiah did, he didn't speak to the controversy. He spoke to the truth. Because guess what? The truth needs no defending. That's right. Amen. It doesn't. If I know who I am and I didn't do that, then I don't need to go out of my way to tell somebody I didn't. There you, go, bro. you can go ahead on and draft all the letters you want. Because I'm going to be over here getting the word done. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's right. When you know the call and it gets confirmed in you, you have to confront the controversy. But you don't confront the controversy by diving into every little small detail and trying to make sure that this person knows that I didn't do that. And, oh, I've got to go over here and make sure that this person... No, it's just stop. Speak to the truth. And guess who the truth is? Yeah. Jesus. Right? So not only speak the truth, but speak to the truth, and the truth will speak through you. Come on now. That's right. Is anybody in here today? I know y'all hearing me. This is good stuff. This is how Nehemiah operated. Now I wish from start to finish, from chapter 1 to chapter 13, Nehemiah, he, he never faltered. Not one time. He never walked away from the call. He always confronted controversy from the side of truth, not from the side of controversy. I wish I could do that. <laughs> and let me tell you, I can't. But with Jesus in me, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm good. Amen? Amen? So the call was confirmed and the controversy was confronted. Now, the Israelites are the other side of this story. They had a call on their life too. They're to be God's people, God's chosen people, to be an example to the entire world about letting God work through a nation to achieve something. And I'll tell you what, they spent a lot of time running from that call. They did. And you can see that in their history because they got sent into exile for 70 years. To be honest with you, that's a long time. I've never done anything for 70 years. All right? And that's because they chose not to accept the call. Let, let me, before I jump to this next one, let me try to further explain that. And before I do that, let me do this. As the call came in their life and they said no to it, the controversy showed its head by way of false gods for the Israelites. And you know what they did? 
They didn't speak to the truth. They spoke to the controversy. And they jumped in. They started serving gods that weren't God. And so that's another reason why they got sent into exile. But the Lord's principles work whether you're a believer or whether you're not. They are there and they will forever be there and there ain't nothing we can do to change them. So here's what I'm saying with that. When you claim Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior and you say, this is my God, you are now in the fire and forever in the fire. Now, you may be thinking, oh man, like that really sucks. When do I ever get out of the fire? Like, what if I want to go swimming, you know? And you guys are just tough today. Golly, something else. But no, you're, you're in it. You're, you, you will forever be fighting a spiritual battle. You just will. And the reason I say that is because you won't be able to get away from the call in your life. I tried for eight to ten years. Yeah, it's not fun. And I'm going to use this story. I'm going to use it now before we get to this next one. Uh, yeah. Everybody knows the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Yeah. It's like speaking a different language, trying to say their name, something else. If you know anything about that story, there's three guys who... Well, let me just say this. King Nebuchadnezzar at the time, it's an Old Testament story, built this statue, all right, 90 some feet tall, gold, bronze, all kinds of stuff all over it. And what he wanted everyone to do was bow to this idol, pretty much. These three guys said no. They said no because of this next thing, the commitment. They were committed to God. They were committed to no one else. So they said no. King Nebuchadnezzar was like, what? Okay, I'm king. I'm going to bind your hands. I'm going to go to this furnace over here. Huge furnace. And I'm going to heat it up seven times hotter than what it's normally heated at. And he throws those three dudes in the, in the fire. Now, after a while, he does not see three people. Well, number one, he sees people walking around in there. That's crazy to me. Okay? But he doesn't see three people in there walking around. He sees four. You know who that fourth one is? That's the Son of God. So they're walking around in the fire because they had enough in them to say, I'm committed to no one else. In the face of death, they get thrown into this thing. Walking around with Jesus. Now, to be honest with you, if I was King Nebuchadnezzar and I saw people walking in the fire, I would be running away. That's weird. You just don't see that every day, all right? Love that story. Uh, I don't know if I was driving or sitting in my, my office or whatever, but I was listening to a, a pastor comment on this story. And it just hit me in the face. It was great. And you've heard me say this before. Um, yeah. I use this all the time and I'm using it again, obviously, because it's from the Word and we can just use that stuff all the time. It's great. He says, he had a question. As he was commenting on this story, he said, I don't understand why when those three individuals figured out that they weren't dead, they weren't burning up, why didn't they run out of the furnace? Like, isn't that what you would do? That's what I would do. I'd run away from fire. Okay? <laughs> and he made this comment that has stuck with me for a long time. He said, it's better to be in the fire with Jesus 
than out of the fire without Him. Amen. It's better to be in the fire with Jesus than anywhere without Jesus. So, if I'm going to be walking around in the midst of a storm, everything around me is going crazy. You guys remember the story of Jesus on the water? Disciples wake him up. Oh my goodness, we're going to die. Do something. And he's like, basically, ye of little faith. <laughs> he speaks to the storm and it quiet, quiets down. But he was sleeping. Don't you want to sleep in the middle of a storm? Oh man. That's a battle sometimes. So what I'm saying is that you'll never be able to get away from the call when you claim Jesus as your God. But I would rather be in the fire with Him than out of it trying to handle this stuff on my own. See, Nehemiah was so committed that his commitment showed to be concrete because he was not committed to building the wall. Okay, may sound weird for me to say that. He wasn't even committed to the people. He sure as heck wasn't committed to the controversy. And he... I don't want to put my foot in my mouth. But he wasn't totally and completely, solely, let me use that word, committed to the call. He was committed to his Father in heaven. That is it. Because of his commitment to his Father in heaven, he was able to handle the controversy well. And he was able to accept the call and walk in it. Are you guys with me this morning? Like, if I'm going to do anything... I wrote this down. i got to read this somewhere. i got to read this. Yes, if you're always going to be in the fire, you might as well choose Jesus. Because <laughs> life will eat you up and spit you out without Him. I'm not about candy-coated messages. We don't do that here. We talk about real stuff. When you're confronted with alcohol... Drugs, sex, premarital sex, all that stuff. As young kids, being committed to the Father is the only thing that's going to walk you through that. When there's bills that need to be paid and you don't have enough and it begins to get at your relationship with the Lord, you start doubting Him, your commitment to Him, the call, dealing with the controversy. Man, I could go down the list. You guys with me this morning? Nehemiah gives us a picture of what it means to not waver. Now you're thinking, Alex, my goodness, Nehemiah's in the Bible. He's in there for a reason. Alright? I'm not Nehemiah. I can't do it like he did. You're right. You can't do anything without Jesus. (laughs) So don't go off thinking that, hey, this doesn't apply to me. Because it does. It does. The commitment was concrete, but the commitment was to God, to the, the relationship that Nehemiah had with the Lord. So the call was confirmed, and therefore the controversy was confronted. And all throughout, the commitment remained concrete. Now, I say all of that because... Life circumstances can get tough to the point where it makes you want to quit. Anybody in here wanted to quit before? Hey, weekly basis. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. You, you guys be like, you wouldn't come back to church next week. Um, but yeah, that's real. Everybody in here has wanted to give up at some point. If you haven't been at that place in your life, you are not human. Teach me your ways. All right? 
But the reason I say all of that is because the controversy can sway you. And I'm just driving home this commitment. When it gets tough and thing after thing is said, situation after situation is endured, and you just feel beat up, it just keeps coming wave after wave. If your commitment isn't to the Word of God, if your commitment isn't to your relationship with Jesus, then I tell you what, you will lose sight of the call. And I'm not saying the Lord's going to send you into exile, but He can do whatever He wants to do. To bring you back humbly, nice, sometimes not so comfortably. But He'll bring you back. You guys with me this morning? It's so unbelievably important to stand on the foundation of what it says from Genesis to Revelation and understand that the whole counsel is what we need. But I said this earlier. I'm going to kind of try to start bringing this thing to an end. Like I said earlier, yes, this book comes to a very abrupt end. There's no sign-off. It's just, period, you're done. No conclusion, nothing. The people get put in place in chapter 13, and then it's on to the next book, which I think is Esther. But here's where I believe that the distinction between Nehemiah and the Israelites and how they handle things is so potent. Because we have the crown as the last C. Alright? When I step away from the call, we have to be real with ourselves. That there's only one crown worth chasing. There's only one crown worth chasing. When you step away from your relationship with the Lord... You start chasing a different crown. One that didn't have bloodshed on it. One that didn't hang on a cross. One that didn't get unbelievably physically destroyed for your sake. Any crown other than the one that sits on the Lord's head is not even worth looking at. But when we walk away from that, when we walk away from Him, we start chasing a different crown. That's what the Israelites did. And it was a rough time. Latter half of the book of Nehemiah, they actually woke up and said, Man, I realize, we realize how bad we were and how good you were. That's chapter 9. In chapter 10, they make an agreement with the Lord saying, You know what? Well, I want to get back to you. I want to get back to my relationship with you. Now, Nehemiah, and everything that he did was not chasing a crown for himself as much as everything that he did pointed towards glorifying the crown. You guys catch that? Everything. The moment he heard about Jerusalem, he drops to his knees and he starts talking to the Lord. And he doesn't even say, oh please, oh please. <laughs> if you read through that prayer, he... he confesses the sins of his fathers. He starts saying, Lord, I beseech you, which means to urgently and fervently do something. I want to beseech the throne of Christ all the time because that means I'm urgently and fervently asking the Lord to do something according to His character, not my own. And that's just in the first seven verses. Go through the whole book of Nehemiah. Everything he does glorifies the Lord. 
He has every right in the world to talk to Tobias Sambalot and all of his men and just fly off the handle. I'll tell you what, things have happened to me and to us and in this world where we probably have every right to fly off the handle according to the world's way of handling things. But when it comes to the Word, I got to be glorifying the Lord in everything that I do. You guys catch that? So let's, let's run it backwards. Huh. Let me say this before I go there. Any story that you read of about Jesus in the Bible, this man was here for relationships. He wasn't here to accomplish building anything as much as he was here for you. <laughs> he was here for me. And he's here for those people who don't know him yet. Who he's going to use us to help in that process. So I'll let you know that. Can't get away from that one either. But that means that if the Lord came here to serve, and I'm supposed to do it the way the Lord asked me to do it, and do it His way, and do it the way He does it, then that means Nehemiah not being exempt, me not being exempt, his purpose, the call, the controversy, the commitment, all of it, is for the sake of glorifying the crown. So me as a pastor, my call is for the sake of glorifying the crown and serving. Because that's what Jesus did. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to serve and not be served. There's a picture, man. I can't believe I'm saying this. There's a picture. That, uh, what do they call them now? Memes? Is that what they call them today? Oh, man. This is... I can't believe I'm saying this. There's a picture of Jesus doing the windmill, breakdancing. Okay? And on the bottom it says he came to serve and not be served. You guys get that? Yeah. Yeah. I just had to. I'm sorry. I got to be fun sometimes. We get so deep in here, I got to bring us back up, then it brings us back down. You know what I'm saying? But think about that. He came to serve and not be served. Did, did we come um, to be served? Did you come here to be served today? Because I'll tell you what, the Lord put you in your social environment, not for that social environment to benefit you. But because you have Jesus right here, for you to change your environment. Amen. Hey, it's right there. What we get from Nehemiah from start to finish is a man who's, yes, a good leader. When you read um, summaries of this book and um, the commentaries on it, people are always saying, man, it's just, he just exemplifies a great leader. Well, yes, that's, that's good. But here's the reason why. Because he never walked away from his relationship with the Lord. He never did. What would it look like for a church to be serious about our relationship with the Lord that we never walk away from it, not saying that we are, but our sole purpose is to go serve the community. Our sole purpose is to give. You guys know and have heard from me Sunday after Sunday. That's what we're about. You're not here just to exist. If we're going to be here at Jesus Christ Fellowship, what that means is that what the Lord has placed in you the call that's in you, as I look at each one of you guys, you got a call. Seriously, you got a big one. Massive call. I want you to believe that. I'm praying that the Lord will allow that to take shape 
at this church. I don't know what it'll look like. I don't mean to put anybody's business on the streets or, or make anybody look bad, but who here knows their calling? Yeah, it's okay if you don't. There was a time in my life I didn't, but guess what? There was a long time in my life where I did, and I spent time running from it. <laughs> if you don't know your calling, what I'm asking is that you continue to go after getting an answer for that one. I've been saying to you guys, Sunday after Sunday, beating a dead horse, let the Lord speak to you on what it is that you're here for. Because days spent without knowing that, I'm not going to say your day's wasted, but I'm saying we could be more efficient. Amen? Because it's all about glorifying Him and not ourselves. Now, to, to really wrap this up, I'm going to use a word here that I think everyone's accustomed to if you've been going to church for any length of time. It's this word called anointing. All of this, all of what we went through this morning, the call, the controversy, the commitment, the crown, what allowed Nehemiah to be so steadfast in everything that he did? You can see it in how he responds to people. You can see it in how he handles everything. You can see it when he's gone for 12 years, comes back in chapter 13, they're not living right, and he gets right back to it. Whereas, you don't see him be gone for 12 years, they come back, they're not living right, and he throws his hands up in the air. And just said, I'm done. <laughs> We've been over this before. What allowed him to be so steadfast was he saw everything through his anointing. So as you pray, pray that the Lord will show you your call, but also reveal to you what your anointing is. Because I have said this before and today, I'm a bona fide pastor. That's what I do. I just want to take care of people. That's what, that's what pastors do. They shepherd. They shepherd, they father, they care, they seek, and they get the sheep to a place where they can be fruitful and multiply. Meaning you can go make more of you. Discipleship. That's just what is in me to do. If I don't see everything through my anointing, then it's real hard. The controversy will sway me. Nehemiah's anointing was to lead. Nehemiah's anointing, man, heavy. His call was to go build this, this wall and also build people. Your anointing, ladies and gentlemen, is not for the sake of just building material things, systems, ways of getting things done. Um, I, I don't know. Tapped out on that list. It's to build people. It's to help one another. I don't know where you guys go to school, but walking down the hall, if somebody was messing with one of you guys, would you say, hey, stop messing with that person? That's, that's my friend, right? You got to be on each other's team. We're on each other's team, right? What would it look like if everybody in here was operating their, in their anointing and said yes to the call? I'll tell you what, the commitment wouldn't even be a question and the controversy would get laughed at. Absolutely. That's right. Sorry. I got too big a family. 
<laughs> you can't mess with me. Now don't go saying that to the enemy, all right? Don't go provoke him. But just say when he... But you got to be prepared, right? You don't go looking for controversy. You just say when it comes, I know how to deal with it. That's checking with me this morning? Good. Let's get ready for, for our offering and bring the worship team back up. We're going to close, but here's how I want to do this this morning. If you don't know your call, I think that today you could. I really do. I don't know if this altar is for you this morning. As we have the band start playing and we'll take our offering here, but do you want to know your call? I hope you do. Sometimes that can be a scary thing because you know what's going to happen after that. You can deal with stuff because you're just going to be walking in, walking in the the fullness of who Christ has created you to be. But guess what? You don't have to do that by yourself. Nobody said you had to take on the call by yourself. Let's come forward with the uh, offering here. I'm going to pray for this and then we're going to continue. Father, Lord, we just pray that you would bless the offering and what goes, what goes in there, Lord. We know that it's all yours anyway and it's, they're your resources. Father, I pray that what gets given will be given back to you. Um, that we can just know that it's, it's a form of worship, Father. It's a form of, of giving you what's yours. So we love you. We thank you and just pray that you would bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead. strengthening and he got up here and just confessed that through the message through what was spoken actually strengthened him but he brought this different perspective that maybe when it comes to the call when it comes to the controversy or the commitment or chasing the crown that maybe you need to be strengthened in one of those areas like it might be commitment I was praying for a couple people last time that that was, that was the deal but here's what I want to do because I, I think it's good. Let's, let's, let's stand to our feet real quick. Now, the ministry isn't always up front. Sometimes it's in the people. So here's what we did last service. We're going to do it again this service. If there's, there's somebody close to you, all I want you to do is turn to that person and maybe say, hey, I need, I need prayer in one of those four those four categories and simply just take the next five minutes and just pray for one another it may be weird I'm sorry church can be uncomfortable sometimes it's okay but this is a this is a comfortable environment this is a place where we got to take care of each other so what I want you to do can you, you guys understand what I'm saying just find somebody real real close to you and just say hey let me pray for you real quick when it comes to the call in your life controversy. Maybe you need help getting through the controversy in your life. Or the commitment. Maybe you need more commitment. 
glorifying the crown Father we love you we need you continue to let this body ministry happen in Jesus name everybody said amen you're free to go And I know I'm 